It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the CFPs on the program. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Whether you're in your 70s or hope to be someday, or you know someone who is in their 70s, this episode is for you. Because what's the most important financial advice you need to hear in your 70s or older? We're going to hit that and more on this week's episode. That's right. And we've got questions from fans of the show. In fact, this entire topic was inspired by a fan of the show. So reach out and engage with us. You can do so a few different ways. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com is where you can find us. And you can submit questions there as well on the website. Most questions come via social media, though. Wherever you're at, we are there as well. On the YouTube channel, search The Wise Money Show, Facebook as well, and you'll find us there. All right, so we're starting a new series today. Haven't done a series in a while. We're, we daisy chain a few episodes together and, and hit a topic, but really in-depth. And today, like I said, inspired from a fan of the show saying, hey, based on each decade of life, it would be really helpful to know the most important financial decisions or advice you need to be aware of. And so that's what we're going to hit. And we're going to go older to younger, okay? And But like Kevin said, I would challenge you, if you're not in your 70s or 80s or 90s uh, listening to this, you you know, planning is all about being proactive and thinking ahead. In fact, Josh has done a lot of work and thinking on the different financial transitions that you that we all go through in our life. And and the amount of success you're likely to have in that next transition is based on how well you prepared the transition before. And so if you're not in your 70s, prepare to have financial, fantastic financial choices in your 70s. So listen up. Uh, to help us organize our thoughts, we're going to go sort of one financial area at a time. Let's start with tax planning. It's probably not what people think about as one of the first areas to to consider when you're in your 70s and 80s. But what are the big financial decisions in your in tax planning in that age group? Well, hopefully we've uh, trained our listeners to be thinking of tax planning at every age group because it's really something that you should be weaving throughout your entire financial plan. But, you know, it's interesting because as you get further into retirement, you're in your 70s, 80s, maybe even 90s, um, you know, we try to encourage people to be thinking about the generation that's coming behind you or generations behind you. And so if you haven't already done so and you're in your 70s, to start doing multi-generational tax planning, I think is important. Mm -hmm. Because when when you stop thinking about your financial life just during your lifespan, and you start thinking that, hey, you know, there's a lot of dollars here, potentially, that I may not use in retirement. And if I don't, someone else is going to receive them and possibly receive a tax bill attached to it. And, and the question is, is it better for you right now to be maybe cashing some things in or converting some assets, doing some financial maneuvers to limit the amount of taxes that are paid over these dollars lifespan, not just your own? Mm-hmm. And because if if it's possible for you to pay less tax on some income than the next generation that could potentially inherit it, you need to be thinking about that now. And and my goal for you would be don't let any low tax bracket years go by without a game plan on how you're going to fully utilize it. 
Yeah, I think there's there, – I love what you're saying, Josh, because this is where at 70, you we, we want to start applying the 70-40 rule. And part of the 70-40 rule is to say, hey, by the time I'm 70 and my youngest child or oldest child, whatever, is 40, you can you – can, the 70-40 rule is fairly flexible because it, it doesn't work, you know, mathematically in the first place. So you, <laughs> but, so you just want to you, you want to apply it as you see fit. Um, but you you this is where it's time to start figuring out. Um, I, I would oversimplify what Joshua just said, like, hey, there's a pile of money here. What's the tax liability related to this pile of money mm-hmm. and who's going to pay it? Yep. Seventy forty. Finish that thought is when you would start disclosing some of your financial information to your, you know, your trusted child. Your and I would say likely your oldest, but whichever one is financially most. It's always the oldest. It's, yeah. it's, <laughs> come on, let's just okay. all be honest here. Representing the youngest. Yeah, yeah. two youngest children. Yeah. yeah. So no, no, no. But here, it, it's very interesting because I, when I would study financial planning and studying for the, our certified financial planner designation and all this stuff, you would look at this stuff and you're somewhat unemotional and you're like, oh well, sure. Mom and dad have a nice conversation with the kids and it's all happy and it's easy and they make it they make these decisions. And it's not. It's very, very difficult. And there are things my my experience, I, I guns, land and crypto are three things that people seem to just collect and they never tend to get rid of them. I've just I've just observed this thing. But there are other things that people collect and don't get rid of, including uh, money. And so the question is, okay, what what of this are you going to need in your lifetime? And you you cut a really thick slice to say, okay, if, if a bunch of things go wrong, how much do you still need in order? And is there anything left over? And if there is, what kind of vision do you have for that in your lifetime now between 70 and when you leave this earth to be able to accomplish something? And taxes has, for a lot of people, Tax planning is a big part of this because for a, a lot of people, what they've accumulated is tax-favored money, mm-hmm. and the, the there are a couple easy ways to get rid of it without paying taxes. One is to give it to a charity while you're alive, and that's called a QCD, a Qualified Charitable Distribution. And the other, uh, without paying taxes on it, is to give it to a charity when you die. That's right. Uh, can we camp out on that topic for just a second? Because if if you're in your 70s and you are charitably inclined, maybe for decades, every year you've given a certain amount of money to a charity or some sort of a cause that you really care about, there is something special that happens when you reach age 70 and a half. Mm-hmm. And, and this has not been around for very long. So you may not have educated yourself on this topic yet, but Kevin mentioned a qualified charitable distribution, which is a really, really big deal. And essentially what it allows you to do is instead of, you know, in in the old days, I'll say, and old days is just four or five years ago, if you wanted to give money to your local church or something, often people were pulling money out of their IRAs, Mm -hmm. satisfying their required minimum distributions, and they pay tax on it or at least include it on their tax return and then gift the money hoping that maybe they'll get a tax deduction. Now you can skip all of that, not ever count the income on your tax return to begin with, and and you do that by having the money sent straight from your IRA to the church or to that local mission or to that school or whatever. And, and in doing so, again, 
you're not having to ever count the money on the tax return. And that's the very best way to save money in taxes yeah. is don't let the income land there to begin with. Right. Because it, it, in the olden days, like you were talking about, that money shows up on the on the top part of my tax return as income, and then it comes off as a below-the-line deduction as an itemized deduction. Well, the problem with that is I still end up paying state tax on that distribution. That's one of the problems. The other problem is that counts towards my my IRMA, my uh, income-related monthly adjusted amount mm-hmm. for Medicare, and that's a way I end up paying more for my Medicare Part B. Yeah. So so let me just summarize here. In your 70s, 80s, something like that, you probably think my taxes are on autopilot. And the first thing that was said was have a multi-generational approach. You might look and say, well, I'm in the I'm in the 12% tax bracket. I'll always be in the 12% tax bracket. Yeah, but if you've got dollars that others are going to inherit and they're in the 22% tax bracket, maybe you should voluntarily pay a little bit more tax to have those dollars positioned in a Roth IRA so they grow tax-free and help avoid or, or limit some of the taxes in the future. And then second, make sure that your tax plan is incorporated with your giving plan at that stage of life. That's critically important. Started getting into some estate planning topics too, Kevin. And and that's where I wanted to go next. We're going to clean up a little bit more tax planning and then hit most important decisions within estate planning. That and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. One of the biggest choices you need to make in your financial life when you're in your 70s, 80s, 90s, we're hitting that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. As well, search the Wise Money Show. Okay, so we're taking decade by decade going through the biggest financial decisions in your life today. We're hitting the 70s and 80s and above, that sort of thing. Next week, we're going to hit 60s, arguably the most important decade for financial decisions. We're going to have that debate next week, so tune in for that. In your 70s, taxes is not something to just overlook, and it's also not something to just be reactive on. This is still a time where you need to be proactive with your tax decisions. Um, we talked about trying to get as much money as reasonably possible positioned in a Roth IRA. Now, you can't contribute to a Roth unless you're still working in your 70s, which if you are, good on you. That, that's fantastic. And you're going to want to make sure you're contributing. But if you're not, how you get money in your Roth is to move dollars from your IRA to your Roth IRA. That's a taxable event. But it may make sense for you to do so at certain periods of life or, or in certain chunks in a year because that would allow you to pay taxes at lower rates versus what your kids or family members would inherit it with. If you have dollars outside of a tax-sheltered account, an IRA, Roth IRA, this is also a time to be very mindful of the taxes. Just meeting with someone recently who had um, $50,000 approximately that she wanted to give to her grandkids. Well, the cost basis on that $50,000 was about twenty grand. Meaning in order to get that 50 grand, take possession of it and give it to the grandkids, she was going to have to pay tax on about $30,000, 15% tax rate, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, so you're going to pay several thousand dollars of tax, all right, by doing that. And I was telling her, listen, if you just let the grandkids inherit this money, they're going to get a step up in cost basis and there wouldn't be any tax associated with that. And yet she wanted to see the enjoyment 
of delivering the gift, which I totally agree with and understand. And so we had her gift some other assets, some other dollars as opposed to those. So just be aware of that's another tax planning approach you need to consider when you're at that stage of life. Yeah. So and and for those of you who are just tuning in, so grandma had uh, something that she'd paid 20,000 for that was worth 50. So there's capital gains there. Another thing that grandma could consider is gifting that asset. Because when she gifts the asset in her lifetime, she also gifts her basis. So, and it's quite possible that the grandkids are in the 0% capital gains rate. So this is why going all the way back to the first segment when Joshua was talking about multi-generational tax planning, this is where you look and you say, okay, one of, in every decade, we're going to be talking about compiling lists, making sure you've got your, your net worth, and organizing your financial life, simplifying your financial life, because that's an ongoing process. And in, in, in you, you go back and forth between, well, it's a little bit more complicated now. We got it more simple, complicated, simple. But that is a, that's a huge thing is to look and say, okay, across the spectrum, across the family empire, who is – is in what tax bracket, and if I could gift these and they pay no taxes, that's the gift they should be getting, not cash. Yeah, anytime you're going to do a major financial transaction, whether it's to sell something or give something away, to swap some assets around, that sort of thing, I I think it's important to pause and have a conversation with your certified financial planner, someone who can help you uh, talk through what are the tax ramifications that maybe are off your radar screen, and maybe even run an actual formal tax projection so you can quantify here's what this means dollars and cents wise if I take this action. That's right. Okay, Kevin, you started hitting some estate planning advice or or some awareness with estate planning in the last segment, but let's add a little bit more to it. At this stage, you certainly want to make sure that you've got an estate plan in place. And no, we don't just mean a will. That would be a will, but also powers of attorney and and medical directives, those sorts of things. It also, if, you, if you're listening to that and you just sort of tune me out because you're like, oh, yeah, I got that. Well, it's in your 70s, maybe 80s that your young children are becoming adult children. <laughs> and, and they might be in a position to play some of the roles within those documents that you previously had nominated other family members for because your kids were minors or maybe they didn't have enough life experience to play. Now is the time to consider updating that and maybe having those kids in some of those roles uh, of, of position to kind of organize and, and, and um, I don't know, do some of the steps there. Mm-hmm. I would also point out that, you know, just like your kids are getting a little older, you may have grandchildren as well. Mm-hmm. And if it's conceivable, if it's possible that you could pass away and some of the dollars that you're leaving behind could flow down to a minor child, grandchild, great-grandchild even, then it's important to have provisions in place that really protect those kids from themselves, I would say. And I'm talking about trust provisions. This is essentially a way for you to set up the rule book on how the money that would go to them would be managed for their care, for their benefit, until they're old enough to take over the the hands on the steering wheel, I guess you could say. Um, And you get to decide what that age would be as well. If you don't pick an age, then at age 18, or maybe your state says 21, that's when they would receive the money. And they may or may not be ready for it at that time. 
So what what maybe was unnecessary for a while, now you start adding more generations to the family tree. If it's possible that money flows further down the family tree, you need to have a game plan that stretches that far. Double check your beneficiaries, double check ownership on all accounts so that you know assets will flow the way that you'd want them to. And also ownership allows that ease of use. If there's a uh, if there's an event where you're unable to make your own financial decisions, if the ownership is not correct, then the powers of attorney may not be as helpful or as easy to use as you expected. And the last thing I would throw in there is consider in this stage is when you'll start considering pre-planning your your funeral expenses. Now, there's a lot of debate out there about um, about about prepaying, that's essentially buying a life insurance policy that uh, it contractually says it will pay out X amount. And you work with a nursing home that says, okay, when we pay out that amount, you'll get this type of arrangements done. Um, and some people have very strong opinions on that. If you can make it easy for your the, the folks you leave behind, your loved ones, I'm all for that. But pre-planning at the very least, I think it makes that process easier. So in your 70s, yeah, mid to late seventies, eighties. You're gonna you're gonna want to take those steps. So. Yeah, you, Mike. You said ownership. Uh, a lot of times, there are, there are a couple ways to do it, depending on what your plan is. If you have a revocable living trust, make sure that your assets are owned by your trust. Yeah, and that the whoever the contingent, the secondary trustee is, um, whoever's next after you knows what the plan is. But the other thing, sometimes people don't have, don't need, don't have a revocable living trust. And it's as simple as adding an, another owner to an account or or some sort of thing. So there are a lot of different ways you can accomplish the same thing it, with your estate plan. And I would, I would just say, make sure you're talking to someone who can help you. And, and one more uh time that a, a trust may be necessary or may be prudent is if you have now accumulated property in more than one state or more than one jurisdiction, if you will. Um, if you were to pass away and your family has to go settle in a state in multiple probate districts, man, that creates some extra expense, some extra hassle, and it becomes unnecessary if you have that Florida house also owned in your trust. Yeah, absolutely. That's those are one of the that's one of the triggers where you're going to want to consider a revocable living trust. Make sure you're working with your CFP though. Don't just jump into that thinking, "Oh, well that's probably what I need." We see that mistake happen a lot. So, all right, what are the other big financial decisions you need to be aware of based on uh, this decade? We've got that more coming up on the Wise Money show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The decisions you make in risk management or protection planning when you're in your 70s and 80s, it's it's enormous. We're going to help you uh, shine a light on those and be aware of what are those important decisions right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast wherever you listen. Go check it out. Search The Wise Money Show, follow us or subscribe to us there, and do me a favor, when you're there, whichever platform you use, rate the program. Rate the program. That is, uh, we, we appreciate that. That's helpful feedback for us, and so please do so. All right, we're in a series right now. We're talking about the most important or biggest financial decisions or best financial advice you've got to heed in 
different decades of your life. And we're starting older, so 70s and 80s. That's what we're hitting today. Next week, we're going to hit 70s and, and, or excuse me, 60s, and then just keep marching uh, down from there. So we're on to protection planning. Now, Kevin, you said there's a biggie. Like, there, these, these, this is a big uh, um, area of your financial decision-making in your 70s and 80s, it, it, protection planning. So share with us. Well, it, it, it can be, especially if you're not well-organized, but I, what I'm seeing is is a lot of folks have a permanent life insurance policy that may not live as long as they do. And so they've got to make some decisions. And the, the question is, do I put a whole bunch more money into this thing to keep it alive as long as I'm alive? Because as long as there's a dollar in your policy on the day that you die, the death benefit's going to pay out. So the question is, uh, and, and I've seen a lot, a lot, a lot of life insurance contracts that don't have enough money in them to live long enough. And so, and there are decisions related to, okay, if I have a term insurance policy that is going to be going away, if I still have a life insurance need. Yeah. And you say, well, do I still have a life insurance need? I, I took out this term insurance 20 years ago. Do I still have a need for it? Yeah. And, and if I do, I might need to convert that because likely my health has changed in the last 20 years. I mean, that, that, that coincides with well, the prepaying of funeral expenses. If you've already got a life insurance policy that you've locked in and it's pretty cheap, that maybe is the, are the dollars that would, would create some liquidity in the event you pass away and could be there to pay for funeral, uh, funeral expenses. Yeah, I just had an individual that... When he was uh, 62, his term policy ended, and they just felt uncomfortable going without life insurance in the final few years of his career. And we did the math, and we did the planning, and I said, I don't think you need it, but they just wanted that extra protection. So we got another 10-year policy. Well, now he's just turned 72. That time flew. And so they had the question, okay, well, do we need something else or are we okay? I think it's okay to let this drop. And, mm-hmm. and I agreed, but you're going to want a financial planning perspective when you do that. Yeah, it's, it's a very common question for us to get from clients who are in retirement and they're at the end of those term policies, they're, they're expiring. And, and a lot of people wonder, well, is it okay? So it's almost like they want some reassurance that it's okay to operate without life insurance. And most times... We, we kind of analyze and we say, well, is there anyone who's dependent upon your income, anyone who would have a financial hardship because you passed away? And, and often, no, you know, all the kids, they're raised, they're gone, they're successful, they're on their own, and I've got a pile of assets I'd be leaving behind if I passed away tomorrow. Yeah. So life insurance maybe becomes less important for some people. I thought, Kevin, when you were talking about a biggie, I thought you were talking about in this stage of life, you've got to be talking with your your health insurance expert at least once a year, yes. reviewing uh, your coverage and whether your prescriptions have changed, whether your your supplement or your prescription drug plan changes which prescriptions or what coverage it's offering. That can happen. Someone moves your cheese and all of a sudden you think, oh, everything stays the same and no, it doesn't because the coverage has changed. And so we recommend at least having a phone conversation or, or some sort of check-in with your health insurance uh, expert during open enrollment or at some point during the year. Yeah, that's even important in your 70s and 80s. Your prescriptions are going to change. The coverages will change. You want to tune in with them. Let me give you one more periodic check-in that you need to have, and that's with 
whoever is helping you put in place your home and auto insurance. Um, yeah, I, I think it's important to recognize that not all insurance carriers are targeting the same demographics. For sure. You know, you, some are just priced better for certain age groups as opposed to others. They've kind of carved out a different niche. You need to find the insurance company that has your picture hanging in their break room. You are their target market. You are their ideal client or customer. You're the one that they have built their business around. And it may be different in your 70s than when you were in your 40s, right? And so I, this is part of the reason why I think it's so important that you work with an independent insurance agent who can help you figure out which company is the best match for you and make sure that you're not paying too much for your insurance and, and being tempted maybe to lessen your coverage just to save a few bucks in premiums. No, this is not a time as you get into your 70s and 80s to drop things like umbrella insurance or lessen your your auto coverage, that sort of thing. I would completely agree with that. It's likely a stage when you've got more risk, you've got more assets to cover. So absolutely, hadn't hadn't thought about going and checking out break rooms of, <laughs> of insurance. I mean, I don't know. You might want to ask before you just head on back there and see Charge if they have right some brownies. Uh, okay, what about investment planning? Now, this is tricky. In your 70s and 80s, right now, I'm assuming what that looks like is you should put it all in bonds and receive no interest at a very high risk. Is that right? I, I thought for sure you'd be emphasizing the importance of a 60-40 mix. Yes, <laughs> yeah. you are such a fan of... Yeah. Uh, at least, you know, the conclusion hasn't been written yet, but thus far, I was spot on with that call. Oh, so. sure. Okay, so yeah, what, what do you do? You got to manage your risk, right? This is likely not a season. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll show you. You're either looking at this stage, working with your CFP, saying, well, we're drawing X amount of dollars out of our investments, and we can't stomach that much volatility or pull dollars out. Uh, we don't want to pull dollars out when the market um, takes a nosedive. Therefore, we should be managing the risk and have it a little bit more conservative. Okay, that's one That's one perspective. That's most, okay? And you've got to figure out right now, how can you be conservative truly? Because mm -hmm. bonds just don't, they're not cutting it right now. So you've got to get uh, work with your CFP on that. The other is, I'm not going to need this money. Right. We've got more money than we really need. And so therefore, instead of investing it based on my own risk tolerance, invest it based on the risk tolerance of the kids that will eventually use it. And that's mm -hmm. more aligning the investment mix with the time horizon, not your time horizon, but the time horizon as to when these dollars will be accessed. Yeah, that's good. And depending on your situation, maybe you're doing a little bit of both. Okay. Work with your CFP on that. Right now, investing, it's just trickier. And I'm not talking, oh, we've had volatility this year. No, no, it's, it's bigger than that. We've got between the monetary policy that we're doing, how low interest rates are, what's already been baked into the market, and the risks that we're dealing with. It's just, this is just a challenging time period as as an investor yeah yeah i i agree and it, you want to give those your your arch enemies are inflation and taxes so you want to have an investment strategy that lets the money that you're not going to get to in your lifetime have the greatest opportunity to beat those two uh enemies i'll give you one more arch enemy it's your own emotions as well. Oh. And this is part of the reason why not going it alone when it comes to investments as you're kind of going into retirement and, and deeper and deeper into retirement. These are the times when 
um, boy, it, it's more nerve-wracking than ever to experience a market pullback because you've never had so many assets in the market at times. It may have a bigger magnitude um, swing potentially, and you just recognize, hey, I'm dependent upon this money. And so someone to help calm the fears and help recognize the, the precautions you put in place and the long-term game plan is still intact, that's part of the role of a certified financial planner. That's right. It, so it make sure you're working with your CFP to have a diversified, well-rounded portfolio that's that's appropriate for this investment environment that we find ourselves in right now. All right, we've got more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. Uh, go check it out. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show. You get all the bonus content, which uh, at least leading up to this segment was a bunch of dead air. So you don't want to miss that. Just kidding. We turn the, ra- we turn the uh, video on and just record the entire show and lots of other content on the YouTube channel as well. So go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there. All right, so let's let's round this out, guys. We're talking about the most important financial, or excuse me, yeah, financial decisions, financial advice you need to receive when you're in your 70s or 80s at later stage in life. And uh, we've hit four of the six areas of financial planning. We and we didn't go in order, which Kevin, that was Kevin by request. Um, so <laughs> we've got present financial oh, position hurts. now, which is normally the first area of your of your uh, financial life, but we're hitting this. Fifth, okay. So, what are the most important financial decisions that you need to make in the area of your present financial position in your seventies and eighties? I would hope by now you have a budget that is working, and you've got a great um, a, a great sense for your spending. And it's quite possible that your spending's been changing. If you're going, if you're in the go go years, then the slow go years, then the no go. Some people in their 70s are just getting started. They're they're still doing the river cruises in Europe and yeah. all this other cool stuff. And some people are kind of tapering off on that. And they're saying, nope, I'm going to sit and watch the bluebirds make their uh, nests this year in the backyard. And that's a... Or just get online and watch the eagles, right? I mean, I've got a <laughs> lot of clients that do that. I don't know. They. Uh, oh, my word. Pretty cool. So Yeah, we're trying... Uh, anyways, I would just tell you if you're 70... Um, there's more to life than being online. <laughs> being online, watching birds. You could actually watch go see life. the eagles. Do, do yeah, you could. Yeah, waste absolutely. Your life. Yeah. So I, th- but I think it's important to to have a a great sense and uh, present financial position is a very distinctly separate area of your financial life than retirement planning. It does tie in here though because I need to know how much do I spend. Yeah. What is my what is my burn rate and is what I'm spending right now sustainable? And am I borrowing from the future today for current pleasures? Or have I left enough for my 80-year-old self? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, it, it to me, it's always amazing. People are like, oh, you know, I'm going to be dead by the time I'm 70. I'm like, well, do you have me to put that in writing and, you know, be at your front <laughs> door on your 70th birthday? Well, no. So, I would I would encourage you make sure you you know what your spending is. Another thing though, to me, is simplify, simplify, simplify. So if you'd be surprised at how many people have three different financial institutions, they have 
a, a, a saving and checking account at? You're like, well, why? So you have this one here. Well, yeah, this when I was uh, 14, my dad took me down and signed me up for. Okay, so you got that one. Then, well, then I was a teacher, so I had this, you know, this this union of credit teachers, uh, credit union that I uh, <laughs> am. I have this one, and we, you know, we always, and then we, ha- oh, we have this one. This one, my social security is getting deposited into. I'm like, okay, stop right there. The one that all the direct deposits are going into, make that your one. That's the one. Yeah. And then that one, because then you don't have to change much. A, a lot of times you'll see the husband and wife have those direct deposits going into separate uh, institutions. I'm like, no, get it really super simple. And right Because that's it's not hard until it becomes hard. Right. And if, if that becomes hard, and what I would say just when it does, and it inevitably will, it's going to feel almost impossible to clean it up at that point right yeah, you don't want to leave that to your kids to try to get it organized so that they can help you manage it someday yeah the yeah. problem with a lot of this stuff is that not it's not time bound because you say well when do i have to get it done uh never well i never have to get it done and if i don't get it done i just leave a mess for the the folks who come behind so i would say if you've got several financial institutions right now i would say hey listen by the end of the summer I'm going to get that down to one or by the by the end of the year, I'm going to have that down to one institution. Same thing with your estate planning, because there, there's you can go online and say, all right, list of things I need to do related to my estate planning. And here are the 16 things that you need to do. I'm looking at it right now. It's a great list. Well, when are you going to do that? You never have to do that. And I don't know about you, but I'm always trying to get my wife to help me with stuff. And she's like, no, I'm not going to go sit at the table and help you with that. Because I'm over here helping you with something else. <laughs> like, come on, honey. <clears throat> so anyway, so I would say, okay, when, how do I get it simplified down to one institution, preferably? You want to simplify up to the point where it, it starts to hurt you in some way. And so if it, if it hurts you in some way to simplify beyond a point, well, don't go beyond that point then. So I want to simplify. And then I want to say, what do I do? Do I add another owner? Do I change the ownership or do I add a beneficiary to these various accounts? That's that's about what what needs to happen. It's not much more complicated than that. And depending on your situation, one of those is a better answer than others. But that those are probably your answers as it relates to the, the consolidation and simplification process. Yep, I like it. I want to go back to something you said right out of the gate, though. You said, if you didn't have a budget, you need to have one. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to recognize that as you're getting into retirement, this would be true if you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, where anywhere in retirement, recognize that your income stream is just different. You know, if, if you worked all those years earning a steady paycheck and it just happened every two weeks like clockwork and it was always the same, Great. Well, that's that's not exactly how it always works in retirement. Other than Social Security, we, we hope that continues to be dependable and it shows up every single month. But if you didn't if you didn't have a career that was in the in the realm of some sort of commissionable income or maybe a business owner that had lumpy or seasonal income, maybe you need to to start to adopt a little bit more of that type of mentality because if if some of your income is coming from the investment world. It is not perfectly even all the time. Mm. There are some years, some stretches of time that are just better than others. And if you allow the investment realities that are going on around you to at least have some sort of influence on how much you choose to spend, I think you're going to be in a better spot so that you're not just blindly charging forward and spending money when you know the, the investment world is, 
is not cooperating for you. And I, I love that. I, I'm not surprised uh, Joshua, um, the, the responsible one, uh, goes back to budget. I'm like, okay, life of the party. Let's <laughs> let's go back to budget. But the one of the interesting things when you think about this and retirement, if someone said to me, hey, I need a foolproof retirement plan. Show me the retirement plan that's going to work no matter what. Here it is. Don't ever quit working. And you say, well, wait a minute. Is that really retirement? It could be, depending on your vision for retirement. But when you look at your budget, and a lot of times, why do I look at a budget? Because the budget is the plumb line. I, I don't know about you, but I'm oftentimes surprised when I look at our budget and I say, we're spending that much? Yeah, Are you kidding once. me? Yeah. Um, I remember when it was three bucks for a burrito at Hacienda on Tuesday nights. <laughs> uh, it's not that way anymore. No, not even and, close. And the, the, you know, the Happy Meal's a lot more expensive. So everything costs more, and it's different. And one of the and I'm I'm just thinking about this whole working retirement thing because I was talking to a client yesterday, and this person I'll try and stay as anonymous as possible. But this person said, "Hey, listen, in in my station in life." socially, it's just difficult. So really, in order to get the kind of life that I need and the connection to people, I need to work. Mm. And and this person is great at what they do. And they, although financially, they're in a position where they're financially independent and don't have to work another day, they're saying, hey, a lot of the stuff that I need that can kind of complete me as a person, I get from work. So if you're 70 and you're listening to this and you, I want you to ask the question, do I have an income problem or an expense problem? Maybe you have neither. But if you had an income problem, think about going to work. There are tons of things you can do, even driving. Uh, just if you can even just drive, there's there's an option mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't rule out um, working in retirement. That's Sorry, my little plug. Uh, so uh, let me distill that down a little bit. So maybe asking the question, what portion of your monthly income need, which would be determined in that budget, comes from your investments? Mm-hmm. And then as we tie present financial position to your retirement planning, then forecasting out. And I, this isn't fun, but it's it's the truth. It's reality. And I'd rather plan off of reality than stick my head in the sand and just sort of hope or wish or pretend. And, and But based on that need, that withdrawal from your investments, projecting out how long are these dollars going to last. And if you like the answer, fantastic. If you And it will help you plan. If you don't like the answer, then you need to figure out what adjustments, what adjustments do you need to make? What trade-offs do you need to make? So oftentimes, that's not what we're doing in your in your early 70s. We're still working that five-factor retirement plan, projecting out how many decades do we got, okay? And how do we structure the investments and cash flow and all of that? But in your late 70s, early 80s, that's the math that you've got to do. And, and if your withdrawals from your investments aren't much and you're living mostly on Social Security, maybe a pension, then that's fantastic. Then you're looking more at tax planning and some of the estate planning. Those are more important. But if it's still a decent amount and you can project out, okay, we've got nine years left at this at this withdrawal rate, that will inform how you should invest the dollars and possibly what you should do with your with your budget. Um, so that's where I think, Kevin, you were saying present financial position 
and retirement planning are sort of one and the same at that stage. There are some <laughs> there are there are some nuances, but they're they're very much overlapped. Your retirement plan is, is based on five different factors: life expectancy being one, income sources. Kevin just hit on investment structure risk, but I would argue the most important is is how much you're going to spend. And at that stage of life, whether you're still in the go-go years or whether it's slowing down or whether you're in the no-go years, you want to figure out that budget and then see what sort of stress or needs you have coming out of the investments. So, Yep, absolutely. On my way out this morning, Andrea asked a question. She, she had been listening to one of the shows and she said, hey, you guys said something in passing there. She, uh, she was referencing that we said sometimes it's good to have a mortgage in retirement. Or sometimes that can be a tool. Mm-hmm. And and she was puzzled by that. And I wonder if this is maybe a good example of, of one of those times when maybe you're not in the final house. Maybe you're not even in the right house for the last stage of retirement. And sometimes downsizing or getting into the, the new home, it comes at a higher price. It's a more expensive house. And rather than cash a bunch of investments in to kind of make up the difference or get into that more expensive house, sometimes borrowing can make some some sense. It just levelizes a small manageable payment for you to be in the right right home moving forward. Yeah, yeah. All of this, all of these big financial decisions, these are you know more broad. Work with your certified financial planner. Hopefully in your 70s, your 80s, you've got a long-standing relationship with a firm that knows your financial life inside and out and can help guide you through these choices. So that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. I got somehow liven it up. Or not? Uh, I would I would pull the plug on this series if they're all going to sound like this. <laughs> <laughs> securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Wealth Management LLC, and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.